Jesus Christ. <laughs> you need a beer. <laughs> you need a beer. Um, yeah, so picking up where we left off in the last episode, uh, where we counted down our, our favorite beer drinking songs, um, we thought we'd kind of do a related theme, which was uh, heartbreak songs. Related um, in that one causes the other? Yeah, more or less. Uh, or is related in either direction to the other? Yeah, one like causes the, the, other the beer causing the heartbreak or the heartbreak being relieved by the beer. <laughs> like beer. Relieved. <laughs> yeah, relieved. It's yeah. the cause. The cause of or the cause oh, of the solution Christ. to we just all of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> there we did. We did it. We got our Simpson rep- reference out of the way within the first like 35 seconds of the episode. That's it. We can start it now. <laughs> Country, country music. Cool. So I was driving the other day, and I had most of my list of the songs I wanted to talk about already done, but a song came on the radio that reminded me of another song that we're actually going to start with, but uh, You'll Think of Me by Keith Urban came on, which is a pretty sad, sad song on its own, but a little too pop country. I hesitate to reference anything Keith Urban in this podcast whatsoever, but... Hearing You'll Think of Me reminded me of one of my saddest songs uh, that to me personally is Tonight I Want to Cry. So this song, I love whoever made the production choice, whether it was him himself or his producer who to go solo piano on it because I, I don't love most of his music. It's so pop and... I don't know, some good songs, but not really all that country most of the time. This song is kind of a chameleon. This fully fits into the country category. It could fit into like a slow ballad pop category. It's a pretty stripped down kind of song. Very stripped down and just so raw and sad. And this is this is the kind of thing that for me hits you in all the different feelings. Um most of them being sad, but all the different <laughs> sad, sad feelings. It um, made me very angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was an emotional high the first time I listened to this song. Yeah. All of the sad feelings. Um, and it is about a guy who's went through a breakup and he's left with, he's alone in this house. And I, I feel like he, he's like trying to get over it but maybe hasn't cried yet and feels like he needs to. And so he's finding himself in the middle of this, surrounded by his past relationship, what was or could have been uh, that he'll never know, um, talking about, singing about, uh, being alone in this house again tonight. I've got the TV on, the sound turned down, and a bottle of wine. There's pictures of you and I on the walls around me. The way it was and could have been surrounds me. I'll never get over you walking away. And I don't know about you, but I've been there before. And when I hear a song like this, that just like it just rips at you. And particularly when it's like, would it help if I turned a sad song on? Again, I don't know about you, but when I'm in like breakup times or something particularly sad, I can't listen to sad music because it just... It takes me over the top. Interestingly, I think the times in my life that I have discovered more new music in new genres is when I've been in breakups because I can't listen to this kind of stuff because it just puts me over the top. Well, no, that's a nice positive spin to put on your past breakups. (laughs) (laughs) Because of you, suddenly I'm a Cardi B fan. (laughs) Oh. Who knew I liked mumble rap? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, some an, a nod of legitimacy uh, that I wouldn't otherwise give in any other context to Keith Urban with, with this song, Tonight I Want to Cry. Super sad, really raw, really real, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad he made it musically in the way that he did. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that side of it. Um, I... I gave the song a listen and 
You know, I'm not a huge Keith Urban fan. Um, Bullshit. <laughs> in fact, I do not really like him at all. But uh, this, it was funny because the way I wrote my notes up as well, the way you described it is, is hitting you right in the feelings or, or however you said it. I, I Reading this word for word on my, my notes was that, that being said, this song did hit me right in the feeling. And that feeling wasn't actually anger. I, I It was a bit emotional. But... Uh, um, not to be a jerk, but the lead-in to the chorus in this song kind of sounds like uh, that song uh, that, like, uh, did you ever know that you're my hero song? What is that? Like, the wind beneath my wings. Yes, like it sounds like that <laughs> Bette Midler song. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> oh man, tell me I ruined this song for you. I think you might have. <laughs> it might have needed some ruining for me. Do but... you ever know you're my hero? <laughs> It does build up the same way. I wonder if it's the same chord progression or... If, uh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. That like pre-chorus build up is... You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to be upset about somebody ruining a Keith Urban song for... The last... That's a fair The point. last only good Keith Urban song. <laughs> and now it's ruined for me as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, what do I got here? I wanted to go like... Go hard right off the bat uh, with one of my heavy hitters, mm-hmm. um, which is a Hank Williams song. Um, I feel like we haven't talked about Hank Williams um, all that much. Um, I feel like we could almost do an entire podcast on on Hank Williams and his life, but this is just our Heartbreak Songs episode. So I wanted to talk about uh, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. Um, such an iconic song. This was uh, released in 1949. Um, one of the loneliest heartbreakiest songs um, ever made, I think. Immediately recognizable from the guitar and the steel walk-up uh, in the intro. Lyrics, uh, to hear that lonesome whippoorwill, he sounds too blue to cry. I mean, is there any lonelier sound than a, a whippoorwill? whippoorwill in the distance? Uh, kind of almost the same as like a train whistle kind of thing, you know? It's like just one of those lonely, lonely sounds. I haven't heard that many whippoorwills. I don't think we have them around here. I, I think you're right, not around here. I, we for sure had them uh, where I grew up in Northern Ontario. Mm. Um, and uh, growing up as kids, we were all professional whippoorwill callers. <laughs> so if you wanted to make them, you could really get them going by... I feel like you should do it right now. <laughs> I, I, I realize you're no longer professional, but I'm calling you out of retirement, and I want to hear your best whippoorwill. Uh, I think my brother was a bit better than me, so we'll get him on here to do the whippoorwill <laughs> call at some point. <laughs> um I mean, like, even the moon in this song is going behind the clouds to cry. Uh, that coward. That coward. Um, I, I love how simple the song is, too. I mean, it was kind of the style of songs back then. I mean, especially Hank Williams, it was pretty straightforward stuff. Um, but I imagine it was pretty innovative uh, song for its time. Like, the fiddle solo in the song is unreal. Um, and, I mean, it's not that it's this massively technically proficient, crazy solo, but it was just, like, it's a really cool, like, haunting kind of solo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think like the imagery in it, uh, and the lyrics still super relevant, um, timeless, which kind of what helps make it such a timeless song. Um, and then he kind of redefined sad songs in like legit popular country with this. Yeah. Because it, I mean, this was a massive, oh yeah, massive kind of hit and it was just, I, again, I don't, I'll come back to the, to the imagery of it. It was just so um, relevant to any time like you can't you can take these lyrics and they're still nobody today is going to be like i don't know what the hell he's talking about mm-hmm. like this doesn't resonate with me at all um and it just seems like uh there was a cool a cool line or a quote from um a blaze foley live album i think it's his why well, he only recorded i think the one live one it was the live at the austin outhouse or something it was called <laughs> Um, and the story was, I think they had like two reels of tape and they had to like just nail all their money was tied up in this cause they yeah. were all broke at the time. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's, it's funny cause he's blabbering on like as he does blaze Foley. Uh, but the quote was, uh, he's talking about just basically how songwriting and wondering where songs existed before they were a song. You know what I mean? And it's like, obviously that's kind of an out there statement, mm-hmm. but, um, and the line was, uh, once it's in the air, it's like it's always been there. Um, and in this quote, he's specifically referencing this song, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry by Hank Williams. So he's saying, once it's in the air, it's like it's always been there. You can't imagine a world without that melody. And then the funny line was like, maybe the Milky Way is a giant record and the universe is the needle. <laughs> yeah, wrap your head around that one. 
Yeah, my my mind's blown, and I I don't know about. He's a weird character. Blaze Foley. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk about him a little bit later because I got one of his songs on my my list too. But uh, yeah, he definitely was. You want to just do it now? Stay on the Blaze Foley train. Yeah. Okay, I'll stay on that train. Let's keep the weird within a certain segment. Yeah, the same way you keep your straight songs in like a segment, I'll oh. keep my weird in a segment. We will have a George Strait segment <laughs> coming up later. So from now on, I get a weird segment and you get a straight <laughs> segment. <laughs> Mine will be straightforward, uh, pun not intended, and yours will have a wide range of anything weird you want to talk about. So we'll call yours like the straight truth or something, and mine will be like, uh, I don't know, the weird... Sean, <laughs> the weird untruths, <laughs> the weird untruths. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I've been really—I don't want to say rediscovering Blaze Foley recently, but because um, I just kind of discovered him a couple of years ago. Me too. Um, yeah. So I mean, David Brothers introduced me to him with their cover of Clay Pigeons, which I loved, and then wanted to investigate who this was by, and that's how I got into learning about him. How'd yeah. You, how'd you find him? Uh, honestly, I, I think it was just. You know, when you're just looking stuff up online, finding mm-hmm. music, whatever, things pop up. Yeah, the um, rabbit hole. Yeah, the rabbit hole. And uh, yeah, Clay Pigeons being probably one of his more most popular songs. Um, but yeah, the, the one I wanted to talk about... Oh, what I was going to say was uh, why I started kind of really getting into Blaze Foley again recently was a movie came out. Um, I think it's been out for about a year now, but it just came out on Netflix as well. So you it's kind of out there for everyone. that last time, yeah. Yeah. So I think, think I did touch seen on it. it. Yeah, so the movie's just called Blaze. Uh, Ethan Hawke produced it with uh, Blaze Foley's ex-wife. And really cool movie, um, but the song I wanted to talk about was called uh, I Should Have Been Home With You. And it's a, it's a good scene in the movie where, and I'm assuming it's pretty close to the truth, but I have no way of fact-checking it, really. Although his ex-wife does have a book out there, which I want to read. I think it's called Living in the Woods in a Tree, which is also one of his songs. Um, but yeah, the song's about kind of uh he goes out with one of his uh bandmates and they have a gig that turns out to be at a strip club and they they kind of end up turns out to be yeah (laughs) i'm saying that in air quotes yeah as we do (laughs) uh honey i had no idea (laughs) i had no idea the beef baron was a strip club uh i never thought of using that but i might (laughs) um yeah, so they go and they, they have a whole night of doing regrettable things and uh, the inev- inevitable next day uh, shame over, as I didn't coin that, but it's I think it's a good word for that hangover shame kind of <laughs> thing that's happening the next day. Did you just like combine hangover with walk of shame? No, no, it, it's just like it's when you're hungover and you're just feeling shameful for all uh, the crappy things you did. Yeah. But it's it's a real thing. It's the term is shame over. Oh, yeah. never heard it before. <laughs> That's why I, I wanted to say that I didn't I didn't just coin that. But uh, yeah, so you know he's out with his buddy all night and they, things get a little wild with with the strippers, and then um, he gets home as his wife is, is like it's fully light out. He stumbles in the door and she's getting ready to go to work and the. Um, the crappy part about it is that, I mean, she's basically working to support him because they're broke and he's coming home drunk after spending a bunch of money at a strip club. And, uh, so she leaves, leaves him, uh, in the movie anyways, leaves a bottle of, uh, a glass of water and a bottle of Advil or something. And then he, he proceeds to write this song called, I should have been home with you and scribbles it all over the walls of their apartment. What? <laughs> in and, what? In like marker. Like crayons? Like marker. too? <laughs> And I think it was meant because he's like, he was a very artistic and like a very sweet individual from what I, I've read and seen. And I, I think he had multiple sides to him. And obviously there was a side where he was... Multiple personality disorder? Sure. I don't think it was probably <laughs> that far. But um, yeah. And then she kind of comes home to this scene of him just lying in the bathtub having wrote and written all this on the wall. Lying in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. And then I think his line is like... Uh, I don't know. She's she says something like, "How are we gonna fix this or cover this up?" And he's something like, "I was a crap song, anyways, <laughs> whatever." But it's a really good song, and I like the pace of it too. Very expensive um, apology. Yeah, right. That probably didn't turn out the way you planned. <laughs> so don't go writing songs on the walls of your apartment when you screwed up. <laughs> Relationship advice, from yeah. Sean and Andrew, <laughs> the two last people you should be taking advice from. <laughs> Hey, I've, I've got a pretty good relationship. That, yes, I, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> you that's are engaged. A, that's your one redeeming factor in life. <laughs> yeah, so that's my Blaze Foley uh, tune. And I guess I think that ends the weird untruths section. 
should we just segue straight into the George Strait section of the segment of segment. the show? Yeah, get into the straight truth. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> no. What was that supposed to be? Steel guitar? It sounded more like lasers, but yeah. it should probably have been. Steel I think it guitar. should just I want it to just be a laser intro now. <laughs> It'll make no sense. Make zero sense. <laughs> I regret it already. <laughs> so uh for me, uh next up would be uh Living for the Night. I think of like for me, and I guess heartbreaks hit everybody differently. Um, for me, it's really all about, um, like the, I kind of shut down when I'm really sad and heartbroken. I don't really have the drive to go out drinking, partying, um, drowning my sorrows. I actually kind of can't drink and party cause I'm just kind of like really, I don't know, depressed, shut down, et cetera. So when songs like George Strait's Living for the Night, these speak directly to me with um, lyrics like, I've drawn all the curtains in this old house to keep the sun out and off my face. Friends stop by to check in because I've checked out. I tell them I'm fine. I'm living for the night. And I don't know. I think there's an implication in the title that it's living for the night, going out, et cetera. But I don't think he's going out. He's kind of uh, shut down. Uh, a, a shell of himself, if you will, uh, just kind of pacing through life, um, doing the, the minimum what you need to, but being a bit of a shut-in, being quiet and sad, avoiding people, and being awake all night because um, you can't sleep. You don't really want to see people, you tell them you're fine, and then just kind of keeping to yourself and keeping on. The song all the way through really speaks to that type of emotion. I uh, actually, like I gave this song uh, a couple of listens and I, I really like this song. I found, and it's maybe just because it probably hasn't left the same kind of emotional imprint on me because I didn't, I'm not relating to that well because I'm just, I just kind of started listening to it. But I found musically, I really was into this song. Those I like the slow, like, definite strums. Yeah. They, yeah. And the mandolin in it too. Like, yeah. um, really cool song musically. Mandolin is a sad instrument. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Like they, particularly like in a minor key, like when you get those kind of, I don't know what they call it, like trills or something. I don't play mandolin, but like that quick, yeah, kind of like quick strum thing that they're famous for. Yeah. Um, so may as well just stick on the George Strait train while we're here because I've got a couple. Uh, the next would be I Ain't Her Cowboy Anymore. I don't know if... But did you listen to this one? I did. did. I like this one as well. Have you ever heard it before? Um, I, I think in just uh, the research for the first episode, oh. we did the Straight uh, versus Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to like probably a full day of, of George Strait. So That's a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. Got me through a day at work. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't think it was ever a single. It wasn't released on its own. It was just an album cut. But it was written by Dean Dillon. Uh, one of, I think, the kings of country music, probably one of the most successful songwriters in in Nashville ever. And he's, uh, of George Strait's 60 number one hits, I don't know how many Dean Dillon has written, but I'd wager at least 20 of them are wow. Dean Dillon songs. Uh, he's, he, he's prolific, to say the least. So while this was not a number one hit, uh, oh, he's written way more than 20 of them. I feel like 20 were number ones. Uh, there, there's tons. There's some albums where half of the songs are Dean Dillon songs. Um, as I understand it, uh, they're they're pretty good friends. They're pretty tight. Recently, when he's been writing with his son, Bubba, George George Strait's son, Bubba, like they, they'll call in Dean Dillon to like come over to their place, and they have like a weekend with the three of them, and they just sit around and songwrite. So, is that like his legitimate name is Bubba? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, or is it like, oh, what is it? Like, maybe it might be George Strait Jr. and they're calling, they call him Bubba. I think it's, no, I think it is. No, because his, his grandson is George Harvey Strait. Hmm. But he's the third, I think. So I think, no, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, anyways, so there's something that I've talked about with artists like George Strait before where there's this, um, really wholesome, do the right thing, 
uh, good man kind of attitude and vibe about him where he, he's not like, first of all, he's, he's not the kind of guy that's been through breakups. <laughs> like all my exes. Well, what about all his exes in Texas? Someone else wrote that song. I don't know who wrote I, I used to think John Prine wrote that song for a long time, but then I realized no, I was thinking uh, of, uh, I was thinking of, um, I, I just want to dance with you. John Prine wrote that one. Whitey, Whitey Schaefer wrote uh, oh, yeah? All Maxes, yeah. Didn't he die this year? Uh, Check that out on the Google machine. So, uh, but yeah, January. Yeah. yeah, he died in January this year. Yeah. So what was I saying? Uh, I, uh, George Strait's exes in Texas. Oh, See, yeah. I just thought George Strait would have just been like the type of guy where um, if you talk to any of his exes, they were like, well, it was a good breakup. You know, he's a good guy. We, we keep in touch, you know? So that, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. But as an aside, I don't think he's ever had a breakup unless it was like early preteen kind of things because his wife, Norma, was his high school sweetheart. I, as far as I know or is as written about him is he's been with one woman or at least since high school and he he married her, and I, as as far as I know, he is the cleanest cut celebrity you will find. Like no no misdeeds, no philandering, adulteries for as huge of like an international rock star, country star that he is. No groupie, anything stories. He's like, we are really true. really on the straight train right now. Oh yeah, well it's the George Straits. You, you heard the lasers. <laughs> like, this this is straight talk right now. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, he, he's that kind of guy. He he's straight up. So all his heartbreak songs are things that he's interpreting and singing. I, it's, I don't think it's really coming from a place where he's felt it and wrote it in that way. But he's damn good at interpreting it. So there's so many of these that he's just um, talking about that. Pull your hat down and get it done. Like move forward, be a good man, don't whine about it, and get on with your life. And you you see that in this song where he's talking about like packing up his saddle, throwing it in the back of his truck, hooking up the trailer and driving away, saying it won't be the first time, but this time's the last time. She meant it when she said it. That's all I've got to say. Never been thrown like this before, but I ain't her cowboy anymore. And just kind of moving on. And the the song it, it, it's it's pretty long. It's got like some good hooks, and uh, it's it's pretty sad. But similar to that uh, vein as well, there's "Give It Away." Oh, I love that tune. Yeah, I thought you would. A Jamie Johnson tune, your so, boy. So uh, the funny thing was when I was listening to this song, and I loved it right off the bat. I'm like, yeah, I love this. Love the pace of it. And then mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like. This sounds like a Jamie Johnson song. And then immediately I looked it up and I was like, oh, damn, it is a Jamie Johnson song. And uh, you know who else who's come up quite often is uh, Whispering Whispering Bill Bill Anderson. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't just say it was a Jamie Johnson song. There was someone else on it too, wasn't there? Buddy Cannon. Yeah, yeah. So this the song's similar sentiment. Uh, It's called Give It Away. And the whole song is talking about uh, they've broken up him and a a partner, a wife. I, yes, it is a wife because they're talking about honeymoons and rings and everything. And she comes in and throws his, her ring at him and says, just give it away. They start talking about the various things. What about that big four-poster king-size bed where so much love was made? Just give it away. She said, give it away. There's nothing in this house worth fighting over. We're both tired of fighting anyway. Just give it away. She doesn't want her half of anything tells him to give it away, doesn't want her ring, just give it away. And he's, what, what, what's the ending line? Something like, we've got a furnished house, a diamond ring, and a broken, lonely heart full of love, and I can't even give it away. It's a uh, pretty good tune. Again, it, uh, it reminds me a little bit of that J.P. Harris song, uh, yes. Give Me Back My Heart. Yeah. Well, I guess there, it would be the verse. The J.P. Harris one obviously came later. Um, but uh, with uh, everything you can fit in the pickup yeah, truck or you something. you can keep the truck and everything and you can, can fit in the fit back. It, yeah, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Just give me back my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good tune, too. Yeah, that's another sad one. 
That's very sad. He's got a pile of sad songs. I'm sorry I didn't add any to this list today, but J.P. Harris definitely has some really great sad songs. Yeah, you're right. He's uh, he's come up a few times on the podcast too, and he's uh, he's a great artist. Um, all right. Well, now that since... concludes the George Strait <laughs> segment of the show. Are you gonna put the lasers in? <laughs> pew 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 pew. <laughs> Those really have to be steel guitars going forward. Steel guitar lasers. Um, what am I gonna do? I guess since we were talking, since that last song was Jamie Johnson written, I'll jump into the Jamie Johnson song that was on my list, which was I wasn't hundred percent sure if I was gonna talk about it, but I did jot some stuff down, and it's a good segue. So I talk about mowing down the roses by Jamie Johnson. Nice. Um, and I think it's it's important to put some funnier uh, heartbreak songs in here too, and this one is uh, pretty relatable, relatable and hilarious. It's kind of about uh, figuratively and literally throwing out all of the things left behind from the failed relationship uh, and smiling ear to ear while doing it, uh, mowing down the roses that she planted in their yard, pouring out her perfume into the toilet, ripping pictures uh, uh, of them off the wall, loading up her clothes into 15 garbage bags and smoking them with some potpourri <laughs> in a burn pile in the back. And I can just like... I can just picture Jamie Johnson with his giant beard just like riding his lawnmower <laughs> over the roses and laughing like a maniac while clothing and potpourri are burning in their in the background. You know what that <laughs> reminds me of? Uh, side note, this wasn't on my list, but just as you're talking about this, you know the song Jim and Jack and Hank by Alan Jackson? I don't think I do. It wasn't it wasn't a single. If it was a single, it didn't do very well, but it's a great song. And it's again the same kind of theme, a breakup, uh, she's leaving. Um, and what wh- was saying, um, take your string bikinis, your apple martinis, take what's left there in the bank, take your flat iron and your curlers, your sparkling water and that damn perfume I never liked. Take <laughs> your black Mercedes, all that stuff for ladies. <laughs> to me, you're just a total blank. Go on and leave me, baby. I don't need you. I got Jim and Jack and Hank. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Le- like less that. a heartbreak song, more of a kind of a fuck you breakup song, but that kind of reminded me of that. So was that like Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, and is there a Hank Booze, or does he mean I have Hank Williams? I think Hank Williams. Is there a Hank Booze, though? Yeah. I feel like there is. Anyways. No, I, th- I think he's playing on first Oh, names. I was thinking of, yeah, I was just, thinking of Ev- isn't there an Evan Williams or something yeah. type of booze? Yes. But is the Jim and Jack, that's Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Hank, as I got, yeah, I like that. Booze Hank and country I haven't music. heard that song. That's what he needs: booze and country music. I'm gonna listen to that later. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, was that your song, or do you want me to? Uh, do no, you want me to go? that was not. That was okay. a tangent, but um, <laughs> I interrupted you, so you should finish. Oh, I think I was. Oh, <laughs> so what got me thinking of him riding around the lawnmower and doing all this stuff? Always, I'm like, I wonder if there's a video for this song, and then I looked it up, <laughs> and there is. But the video kind of. It just starts with him leaving the yard and driving over the roses, and then uh, he straight like, to the bar. <laughs> yeah, it's very George Jones. But he <laughs> picks up. I think it's like the neighbor who looks like he's having a bad neighbor day girl? too. No, oh, it's no. a guy, huh. and he jumps on the back, and then they go out partying, <laughs> and then I don't know. They come back, and I, I think the whole thing was kind of like he w- he was thinking about doing all this stuff, but I don't think he actually did it. I don't know. The video was a bit weird for the song. I felt like they like he just woke up on his couch at the end or something, some, and it was all a dream. Like that. Yeah. But I feel like it would have been funnier to see him do all that stuff in a in a hilarious manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another sad one for me that again in the same thing. I, I'm really developing a theme here. Uh, Brooks and Dunn. It's getting better all the time. Yeah, I got to work again on time this morning. This old job is all that I've got left. And no one even noticed I'd been crying, but at least I don't have whiskey on my breath. Yeah, I think I'm going to make it because God won't make a mountain I can't climb. It's getting better all the time. Again, back to that same kind of like living for the night. I've drawn the curtains in this old house. Friends stop by to check in. I've checked out like just just getting through life, just pushing on, like you're so broken down and barely functional, but trying to like go through the paces of everyday life. And I feel like this song is like that silver lining, like just starting to see the sun poke through the clouds after you've been so bad for so long. I uh, I really like this song. I, I feel like it's a, a bit of a rarity and you don't, like to me it came off as almost like a positive heartbreak song. It's like almost 
post heartbreak, but not quite over it. Like it's quite relatable. Um, kind of that slow process of just piecing everything back together, like, you know, one small hall painfully, painstakingly, like a cru- excruciating step at a time. And that's totally what it does. And it enumerates a lot of those all the way through. Like it opens with, I don't stop breathing every time the phone rings. My heart don't race when someone's at the door. I've almost given up thinking you're ever going to call. I don't believe in magic anymore. I just don't lie awake at night asking God to get you off my mind. It's getting better all the time. Those phone call references are going to stop to dis- <laughs> stop being as relevant in music, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stop waiting for you to blow up my phone. <laughs> Blowing up my phone with your text. My Snapchat hasn't gone off in Yeah, hours. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a, that's all I've got for that. Okay, that's a good one. I like that song a lot. Um, where am I going to jump to here? I think I might get over to some, uh, some George Jones, maybe. Um, You're Still on My Mind. Mm. Released in 1962. Um, obviously, there's a lot of Jones heartbreak songs. Um, kind of an understatement there. Uh, my obvious choice was going to be Her Name Is, which is uh, about the whole unspoken love between George and Tammy Wynette, but we kind of covered this song um, in depth when we did that episode. So I figured I'd... I'd pick another one. Um, so I, I love this song a lot. You're still on my mind. Such a classic honky-tonk heartbreak song. Uh, some of the lyrics like, The jukebox is playing, a honky-tonk song. One more I keep saying, uh, and then I'll go home. What good would it do me? I know what I'll find. An empty bottle, a broken heart, and you're still on my mind. <laughs> that Those three lines right there is like, that's one of my favorite um, yeah. lines in country music. And it's like, I can smell the thick cigarette smoke. Uh, I can, you know, the stale booze in the bar, um, that crowded, crowded honky tonk. Um, you're just pumping quarters into a jukebox, playing, you know, whatever heartbreak song is is on your mind that day. And, um, you know, yep. one more drink. You just you just need that one more drink, and then you you keep saying you're gonna go home, but it's kind of like home's the only sort of lonelier place than sitting alone in that crowded bar. I just I feel this song just makes me if it just epitom not epitomizes, but uh, I'm not going to think of the word, but it's just all those feelings just come to, to life with this song for me. Yeah. Is epitomize the right yeah. word? Right. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. a good word. Um, word of the day, toilet paper is working out for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just kind of that whole being, you know, surrounded by, by a big crowd, but still being, you know, kind of completely alone. Yeah. And uh, it's a cool vibe to this song. It's such a classic Jones song. It's kind of the boots on the bar rail, leaving the bottle on the bar kind of thing. Um Give me some change for the jukebox. It's my kind of song. Yeah, that's an interesting contrast. With I've been talking so much about how my kind of heartbreak songs are these broken down, shut in, can't function as as a person, sad, and yours are more going out, drowning your sorrows, more out in public in the bars, maybe on a bender or binge or something like that. I, I guess are, are these are we getting to some like a therapeutics part of this because uh, this is kind of real for me I don't know I, it seems like that's how you kind of deal as well so um, we haven't talked much about our own process but uh, yeah that's an interesting what, what thing better that's, place to do that <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting thing that's come up in the songs we chose mm-hmm. that's kind of funny. yeah there's a definite theme <laughs> yeah I'm definitely more of a I, I need to go out and and, Run over uh, people's roses. Yeah, go out and <laughs> yeah, burn some potpourri. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I oh, shut yeah. down and pretend that everything's okay. <laughs> well, next time I'll just come by and get you. <laughs> if we ever go through a breakup at the same time, hopefully that never happens. Particularly for me. <laughs> yeah, particularly for you. I'm getting in married in one month. <laughs> I'm done with heartbreak for the rest of my life. Sorry, I brought that up <laughs> specifically to Andrew's fiance. <laughs> Um, (laughs) moving on, (laughs) we'll stick on the George Jones train and I, it'd be more like a George Jones, like lawnmower. If we're going to be on any, (laughs) 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 it's true. Uh, And now to continue on the George Jones garden tractor, (laughs) um, i I feel like this just has to be referenced because it's maybe one of the more famous, I think, uh, historic, sad country songs. Um, I just kind of hesitate to because it's been so talked about in the last 
couple of years since Ma- Malcolm Gladwell made it extra popular or brought it back into quote unquote pop culture. Uh, did you, you ever listen to his revisionist history podcast? You told me all about it and I, I never really went down that, uh, that road. So he did one episode, I think it was in his second season. I can't remember what it was called, but it was about country music. And, um, the, the point of it, I think was, uh, it's been a while since I listened to it. Um, he was talking about how there was only, there's really only one kind of popular music in English culture and in America that its stock and trade is really sad songs. Uh, think things that are really meant to make you feel expressly outwardly sad. Um, not to say that there's not sad themes in other music, but like in, in country you're openly talking about like, there's a tear in my beer. I'm so lonesome. I could cry. Like all, all these things we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes. Um, and this is a particularly sad one. It was written by Bobby Braddock and Malcolm Gladwell just seems to think that this is the best country song that was ever written. It's the saddest thing ever. And, uh, that Bobby Braddock is the best thing since sliced bread. And he's fantastic for sure. One of the greatest country writers, uh, I think ever, and definitely one of the best songs. Um, but just very, very hyped, partic- particularly the since he started a second podcast and did a whole second episode actually featuring and interviewing Bobby Braddock, which was pretty cool. And two other guys, I forget who it is right now, other, other like pretty epic old, old school writers. And uh, that really kind of breaks down this song quite a bit. And but, So prior to all of this, was this one of your heartbreak songs? Not I not a personal heartbreak song. Uh, for sure, I would have put it as one of the saddest songs. Yeah. Because uh, I've always thought it's super sad. Um, maybe not the saddest of all time, but really sad. And then when I heard this podcast, slight eye roll that he makes such a big deal about this one song is the best thing ever. And it almost makes me think that he's not a country fan, and he but he appreciates it, and he stumbled into this song and just goes bananas about it a little too ad nauseum but to each his own, uh, but is definitely that legit and, or mostly that legit. Uh, and the whole thing, it's one of those songs that's well-written where you don't really know what's coming. And he's, he's talking about how he said he'd love her until he died and a, a bunch of poetic nuances and you don't really know where it's going. And then when it gets through to the hook, uh, you find out that he's, it, it talks about like he, how he's, dressed in his Sunday best or whatever, like really dressed up for what's happening today. And then you find out it's his funeral and he stopped loving her today. So he, he really did love her until he died and him dying is what it took for him to stop loving her. And that very well-written, very sad song. I think for me, like you asked if this was a personal one for me, I have trouble relating to really old country on an emotional level because I, I, I don't know why. Well, again, I think it has to almost come back to like the whole, like <laughs> it, it didn't happen. It didn't come into your life at a time. Like, I mean, you weren't even born when this song came mm-hmm. out, uh, nor was I. And I think a lot of times these songs to leave an imprint on you have to sort of happen when you're going through something. And it, it's not like he stopped loving her today was popping on the radio when you're you know, crying about your first breakup or something like yeah. it was long gone from the radio at that time. So when it's not, when there's no sort of sort of like formative years or whatever for you happening or no sort of emotional, uh, whatever yeah. we said. Um, yeah, it, it's, I understand that as well. It's like, I think it definitely belongs on the list. It's an amazing song. Yeah. Like the, the whole orchestra style instrumentation in it. It's almost like the chorus is almost like otherworldly. The Nashville sound. Yeah. The Nashville sound, and this is kind of the embodiment. embodiment That's something that. we should do an episode on. On the Nashville sound? Yeah. That would be... Um, well, you know, we've gotten a couple messages for some things that, uh, some suggestions on episodes, and one was to do a deep dive on the Bakersfield sound. So if we were to do that, yeah, doing the Nashville sound first... Yeah. And then, yeah, that would be a really in- interesting arc. I think we'd obviously have to include like outlaw movement in there as well. well. Yeah, for sure. Um, that They've could all, be like a cool, like, related. like three episode arc. Yeah. Really nerd out on it. Yeah, let's write that down. All right, write that down. Um, yeah, so 
Yeah, I don't know why they they don't really resonate with me that much. I think you're right because it's not really what was topical or what I was specifically listening to at the time when going through formative years and these kind of things. <laughs> Maybe that's why Tonight I Want to Cry by Keith Urban hits me more in the <laughs> feels than this does. Uh, but it's all about context for you, right? Yeah, so hugely. But love this song for what it is and its its place in history in the country music pantheon. Well, from there, I think I'll probably jump in to a Waylon Jennings song. It kind of goes like almost opposite to what you're saying in that this song, uh, it's called Wurlitzer Surprise." Um, I have like a, a super emotional connection to this song and it, I knew the song. It was just, I happened to be, it happened to be on a heavy rotation for me at the time when I was going through some pretty crappy things and a, and a pretty crappy breakup. Um, but yeah, I found this song did really resonate with me at the time and I had heard the song a million times before. Um, but that sort of refrain in, in the, in the chorus of, I don't want to get over you. Um, kind of hit home at the time. So it was almost like the song kind of took on new meaning mm-hmm. for me at the time. Yeah. Um, it still kind of chokes me up every time. Like I, it was I, just a good Waylon Jennings jam before. Yeah. And then when you heard it in the context of what you're going through, it just exactly. hits you in the feels. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, yeah, this song was released in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a bit of a twist on a classic heartbreak song where, you know, uh, you're usually drinking to forget the person, but this song is about, you know, pumping coins into a jukebox to listen to the songs that help you remember the person you've lost because you don't want to get over them. Um, the Wurlitzer prize, uh, being a, a take on like Wurlitzer was the jukebox brand at the time. Mm-hmm. And you're just pumping all this silver, uh, into the, uh, into the slots of the machine to, to play those, your favorite heart, heartbreak songs, which is, uh, so those heartbreak songs will help you remember, you know, that person you don't want to get over. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool song. And I, I feel like it's one of those songs and there's a few, there's quite a few Whalen songs that. He was such a larger-than-life kind of outlaw character, and this song really showcased like his soft side, his vulnerability, and uh, I think that was an interesting side of you know such a big you know outlaw country musician. Which you know we can talk about it when we do that three-episode arc we just talked about in the outlaw movement. But yeah, uh, yeah it wasn't necessarily what I think people think outlaw, uh, what it means to them now, wasn't exactly what it actually meant back then. But cool side of Waylon Jennings and a, a really awesome song, the Whirlit Surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, skip ahead. I'm going to rework my order here to kind of stay in a theme of what we were talking about before. Another one, uh, Vince Gill, When I Call Your Name. I, I never really liked Vince Gill when I was growing up. And I, I grew up with 90s country as my thing. So Vince Gill was uh, on the radio throughout the whole time. And because he has such a perfect, like, pristine, almost operatic voice. Like, he's almost like Roy Orbison in a way, but, like, country. I I, I think I always felt that his music was, like, a little too clean and precise, like, killer guitar player, but then on top of it, just, like, a little too pop country for the time. But looking back at it now, uh, I like it so much better. And he... uh he blew my mind when we saw him uh, at the Opry. At the Opry, yeah, that was unreal. And again, like I knew his stuff, but not. I wasn't super into it either. Yeah, and I was kind of like, "Well, this should be cool." Like he's a legend. Like, um, but man, that was like pin drop in there. Like a couple of our friends who came with us uh, were talking. Like when we went to my bachelor party in Nashville, we all went to the Opry, and there was nine of us total and maybe three or four of us were really into country and a couple that were not or indifferent. And most people leaving were like, wow, Vince Gill highlight of the Opry that day. And I barely heard of him or didn't care before and just stole the show. Like yeah, what was, a guy. It was impressive. Anyways, and the nicest guy ever too. Yeah. It would seem like it from oh. the way he was introducing people on stage and doing his kind of hosting. Who was that woman that it was her first time on the Opry? He was background singing. He used her as a background singer and he sang with her a number of times. What was her name? I he went on name. for like but yeah. five to 10 minutes about yeah. her before she actually got to sing. Yeah. Like it was, it, it was astoundingly generous. Uh, anyways, um, I guess I've been in this situation before. So this song maybe meant nothing to me when I was growing up and didn't really like it. And then hearing it later, 
with uh, him talking about, I rushed home from work like I always do, spent my whole day just thinking of you. When I walked through uh, the front door, my whole life was changed because nobody answered when I called your name. A note on the table that told me goodbye. It said, you'd grown weary of living a lie. Your life has ended, but mine still remains. But nobody answers when I call your name. Yeah. Like... It's almost reminiscent of like a, it could be a Hank Williams song, like Hank, Hank Williams yeah. Senior song. It could be a very '90s <laughs> Hank Williams <laughs> yeah, Senior song. Yeah, lyrically, like you know, it's such uh, haunting kind of. And the steel solo in that. Speaking of haunting, it like it's one of the better sad steel solos in country music history. I think. Um, not to geek out too much about pedal steel, but. There's all different styles, and one of the things that people say about steel guitar is that it cries. You often hear the phrase, like, the crying of a steel guitar. Um, very often, it's just quick and twangy and slidey and makes a lot of that honky-tonk sound, but sometimes it makes that saddest song, that saddest sound possible, and that, that's the crying. And if there is an epitome of that, like a, a definition or a textbook benchmark example, I'd say the steel solo in this is one of them. Uh, so good. I would. Uh, you know what? I'm second guessing myself right now whether it was John Huey or whether this one was Paul Franklin. Some of them are John Huey and some are Paul Franklin because they're like best buds now. Um, you, you see them playing together all the time in, in Nashville with a great band that they have together. Um, well, they didn't start it, they've been in it. The band's been around for years, the Time Jumpers. Uh, it's kind of. Oh, an yeah. All, yeah. Just an all-star swing band that plays at Third and Lindsley in Nashville. Yeah, that's apparently a pretty wild, wild show. Yeah, I, I wish we, we had been there through to Monday, uh, Monday night, because we would have been there checking that out. Yeah, one of us probably would have died after <laughs> we five, nearly did yeah. five days. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, would have been live streaming streaming it from the hospital. <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump over to, I feel like we were probably going to need to, like, same thing that happened on the last episode, maybe start hustling through our last few on the list, but uh, yep. I wanted to get through uh, an Ernest Tubb and Loretta, Loretta Lynn song. Yeah. Uh, I want to do Mr. and Mrs. Used to Be. Great uh, song. I, I felt like Walking the Floor was an obvious choice, but, uh, you know, I felt like this song maybe just had some more meaning, and I, I find it a lot more heartbreaking, like, Walking the Floor is such a classic kind of sad country song, but... Not necessarily um, heartbreaking, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess just sad, I guess yeah. is a better way of putting it. Um, but yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Used to Be, uh, it, it really resonates with me, and I, I do really relate to this one kind of on our back and forth about whether old country songs are relatable. I think some some are, I guess, depending on the context of it. But this one wasn't... I didn't start listening to it when I was going through anything particularly bad, but I just, when I really gave the, the lyrics to this uh, a deep listen... Um, I related it uh, sort of to when I went through a divorce a really long time ago um, in the sense that, you know, the, the two singing in this song, you know, wasn't like a massive, like, hateful breakup. It was just, it wasn't working and they couldn't figure out how to make it work and it was frustrating and it was, you know, one of these difficult things where they're, you know, both parties um, are lamenting about how such a strong love could fade so quickly um, they just can't seem to figure out how to fix things, or at least sort of put it, uh, put in the effort to try and fix it. Um, both There's a lot of the same kind of theme in the George Strait little segment there earlier, of just kind of accepting a truth and kind of pulling your hat down and getting getting on with it. Yeah, and that's kind of the um, what the song's about too, I guess. Just ex both of them accepting the blame, but um, they can't deny that the love's faded. Uh, such a human kind of condition, known that sometimes I think pride can kind of stand in the way of mm, yeah. fixing things. And, uh, I feel like the song was really ahead of its time. Um, it's fairly complicated story uh, as well. Lots of layers there, but yeah, good song. Uh, Ernest Tubb and Loretta Lynn, Mr. And Mr. Mr. And Mrs. Used to be, um, another one quickly for me again in the same vein. Um, Jason Aldean, the truth, uh, tell him I'm, tell him all I'm out in Vegas. Uh, blown every dollar I ever made. Tell him I must be into something bad for me because I sure lost a lot of weight. Tell him I'm out on the road with some old rock and roll band living like a gypsy Ken. Just don't tell him I've gone crazy, that I'm strung out over you. Tell him anything you want to. Just don't tell him all the truth. Just living like one of them gypsy cans. 
Like a beer can? I don't know, man. Or a beer I don't can? I, that's how I heard it. And I realized after that it had nothing to do with gypsy cans. <laughs> maybe it does. Maybe gypsy cans are something cool we don't even know about. Yeah, maybe it's something lacy or frilly or something <laughs> something I don't even know about yet. <laughs> what was that, a Will Ferrell reference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Old school? Old school. <laughs> what? I thought we were in the trust tree. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That was good. Yeah, so, so all, all these songs about uh, hiding how you're feeling, but being broken and losing weight, and tell them anything you want to, just don't tell them all the truth. Um, that yeah, that, that's that's another song that uh, has has stuck with me a few times through life. What? Uh, how many songs each you think we got uh, left going on here? I can go all night, so it really depends on how many more you have and how much time we have. You want to do a semi-rapid fire? Oh, I've got one more that might be a bit of a conversation. Yeah, and I do too, so let's do those two and then Seward ends us off. Um, I wanted to talk about Long Black Veil. Um, another old song, but um, and I'm skipping some other ones I wanted to talk to because I want to talk about because I wanted to really talk about this one because I think it's such a well-written song. Um, and uh, I'm trying to, I don't have when this was actually written or recorded, but I like the Johnny Cash version quite a bit. Um, I do actually. That's the only one I know. Yeah. The band actually has a version out there. That's, oh, yeah. I, I love that version. That's kind of my favorite, but in the interest of keeping things country, um, I figured the I'd just. The band is kind of country. Yeah, they're pretty country, I guess. But they wouldn't be country, country. No, that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm going with the Johnny Cash version of it. And um, the song is just this really enthralling story about um kind of like forbidden love the main character of the song is being literally executed for a murder he didn't commit but his only alibi is one that he can't use as to quote the song he was in the arms of his best friend's wife and it's a pretty tragic love story um literally just giving up his life to protect the one he loves uh, filled with haunting images of her you know crying over his grave in a long black veil when the cold wind moans you know kind of all of the feelings there yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Give me a minute. I think I got something in my eye over here. <laughs> but I, I do really think it's it's honestly, like, one of the best written songs I've I've heard. And it's just such a cool story. And uh, I don't know, you know, where it came from, if there's there must be a deeper story behind it. But really good song, Long Black Veil. So that's actually a good segue into... Um, a couple songs that I have one, one I, th I think segueing into a different kind of sadness or heartbreak from like breakup and depression and that kind of loss into like physical loss of a life, like of a friend. One, the first one I want to talk about quickly is Lee Bryce. I drive your truck. What a song, uh, about a guy who loses his brother in the war and he, the, the way he copes is by driving his his old pickup truck around that that got that got left behind. Um, so some of the lyrics are talking about like there's 89 cents in the ashtray, half empty bottle of Gatorade rolling on the floorboards, dirty Braves cap up on the dash, uh, old skull can and cowboy boots and a Go Army shirt folded in the back. Um, people have their ways of coping and I've got mine. I drive your truck up and down the back roads till the pain's a cloud of dust. Sometimes I drive your truck. There's, and I hope I'm not stealing this from you, cause, um, but there was a no, line in this it. song that I thought was like, I don't know why this one hit me, but it was, uh, you'd probably punch my arm right now if you saw this tear rolling down my face, yeah. which is such a brother thing yeah. to do. And, you know, we both have brothers and, and, uh, you know, you can just, it's one of those things, right? Where it's like, it's kind of a funny line, but it's also like pretty tear jerking too. Like, Well, immediately following that, it's, uh, hey man, I'm trying to be tough. And mama asked me this morning if I'd come by your grave, but that flag and stone ain't where I feel you anyway. I drive your truck. Yeah. Very so he doesn't need to go to the to the grave site to, to pray, to feel him. He, he, he mourns and copes with it by driving his truck around. It's a very well-written song. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know much about, uh, Lee Bryce. It, he didn't write it. Uh, it was a number of people that wrote it, but um, I think it was Connie Harrington's idea uh, for it when I heard this story somewhere and I can't remember now where. So it might be slightly misquoting it. Um, I feel like it was on a podcast maybe or on a radio interview. 
Um, regardless, I, I don't want to take credit credit for something from somewhere, but I can't remember where from. But I, it was kind of a semi biographical story where it was like a Medal of Honor recipient or something who was killed in Iraq or Afghanistan, um, and there was an interview on the radio, I think, with the the kid's brother or his father. And I think in passing mention, he said that he deals with it by driving his truck. And that clicked as an idea to write a song about hmm. it. And uh, yeah, her cool and a couple song. co-writers put that together. And Luke, or Lee Bryant, <laughs> Lee, Lee Bryant Bryce. and Luke Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, there's, there's a crossover we don't want to see. <laughs> uh, Lee Bryce was who, who got it and uh, had a number one hit out of it. Yeah, I like it. It's a good song. So keeping on that theme, as I was just mentioning, um, is uh, from Tim McGraw. And if you're reading this, uh, another it's, it's, it's a letter coming from, um, from I assume, Iraq. It doesn't say what war zone. And this is a letter that is coming home to the family uh, saying, if you're reading this, well, more or less saying, if you're reading this, I've died. This is my goodbye letter. And it, it's one to uh, his his mother. If you're reading this, my mom is sitting there. looks like I only got a one-way ticket over here. Um, a war was just a game we played when we were kids. I'm laying down my gun, hanging up my boots. I'm up here with God, and we're both watching over you. Um, <clears throat> and then there's one to uh, his wife about uh, he won't be there to see the birth of his little girl. Um, and if you're reading this, there's going to come a day when you'll move on and find someone else and that's okay. Just remember I'm in a better place where soldiers live in peace. Uh, angels sing an amazing grace, etc. cetera. Uh, sad, sad tune in the same sentiment of, of loss from multiple different angles towards mother and, and wife and general sadness. Um, yeah. All right. I'll, uh, I'm going to rip through one more because um, I wanted to talk about uh, yeah. Dwight Yoakam a little bit. So the song of his I want to do was uh, A Thousand Miles. Um, nice. And uh, I, when I took the note, a lot of the notes for this episode, I was on a plane. And uh, so this song always pops into my head when I'm on a plane because it's such a good like sort of... Makes sense. ...flying away from the heartbreak <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, so like every, every time I fly, I think of it. But it's such a cleverly written song uh, about, you know, leaving on a playing away from a broken relationship uh, some of the lyrics like teardrop uh, falls we start to climb the window street seat proved a poor choice uh, it shows the dream that's been destroyed little baby starts to cry yeah i would too if not for pride and it's like it's such a thing you can picture just being on that on that plane and, and going through all that and i love um the imagery in these lyrics and it's such a dwight yoakam kind of song too uh, all this plane ride holds for me a thousand miles of misery and a uh, great fiddle solo in this song as well. And just the overall tempo is um, pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. And uh, yeah, I, I will forever, this will be my, my airplane song until uh, you know I'm looking around at all the depressed uh, people and all the happy people and all the mix of people you get on a plane and just, God that, damn it, where's the beer card already? That <laughs> reminds me, uh, if I can throw in a, a quick one that just wasn't on my list, but your plane song reminded me of it, uh, George Strait, Marina Del Rey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, uh, and as this plane is touching down, tears touch my eyes for I have found my heart has stayed in Marina Del Rey. Very much probably do a whole away from we could probably do a whole airplane song, airplane uh, song. <laughs> episode. <laughs> totally. You got anything left? I've got a bunch, but I don't think we have time for them all. We might have to do a part two of Heartbreak Song some some point at some point we down could the probably road. Probably do a part three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe I'll end it on Tim McGraw, Christofferson. Not as particularly a heartbreaking song as it is a sad song, but with kind of an F.U. edge to it uh, about a guy coming home. And again, not the first time we've talked about this tonight, the theme of finding a note, uh, assumingly a goodbye note. And it's only half a page long. And he sits down, grabs a guitar and a, a bottle of booze and, and starts to write a song. And the lyrics go something like, um, 
sit down and write a song for you or sit down, open a bottle of 90 proof and write a song for you like Christofferson would do. Oh, that's and a good line right there. That's, it's kind of one of those c- coming, taking a good attitude into a breakup or something, maybe not a good attitude, but like something positive, like dealing, dealing with it in a different way. Yeah, like the cathartic side of that's of what I was looking for. Exactly. Because he, he talks about in the song, like it only took you half a page to write this goodbye letter to me. If, if, if this is all it meant to you and you could write it down so quickly, I'm going to sit down, open a bottle of booze, and I'm going to reply to you. I'm going to write a song. I think he's even talking about how it, it, it might not be in time, it might not even rhyme, but it's going to be real. And I'm going to do it just like Christofferson would do. Well, on that note, what do you say we? Uh, <laughs> what do you say we open a bottle of ninety proof and throw on some old Chris Christopherson tunes? I am a thousand percent down with that. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Country, country music.